came up with this, um, I created this, this technique called affirmation transformation, where it's kind of like, okay, what is coming up? What is coming up for me? And how do I transmute that? First through an affirmation and then through the body. So for example, when I'm like, where am I going to live? How am I going to support myself this year? And then I will say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, universe. Thank you, most great spirit for providing the most perfect transitional home for me to ground and build and heal. Thank you. Thank you. And I would be so grateful for it before it came because I knew that I had to raise my vibration into that gratitude to help support calling that in and experiencing that. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. So excited to be back recording and excited to have the guest I have on today. Tatiana Zamir is an interdisciplinary performance artist and trauma-informed movement facilitator who has been walking a path of evolution, transformation, and deep personal inquiry her entire life. And she and I have known each other for a long time, but we haven't seen each other in probably the same amount of time, no, longer, like probably 20 years since I've seen you, Tati. Too damn long. Yes. Too long. Too long. (laughs) And and it's interesting because we've been wanting to have this conversation for a while, but it's like, you know how we always say it's like, perfect timing, God's planning, timing or life. And it just worked out that this is exactly when it needed to happen. So, I mean, when you had first reached out, I feel like it was towards the beginning of the pandemic, you know, or am I wrong? Or is it, was it before that? And obviously there was a lot going on for everybody, but honey, so much has happened since. So we have so much more to talk about now. (laughs) Like we would have had one thing on the agenda. Now we have so many directions we can go as far as grieving and loss and change and switching it up. So I am just so uh, happy that it's finally aligned. And, you know, even though we've been living across, you know, the country since we first met, it's just been nice to stay in touch and so sweet to have this conversation with you today. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm so excited. So let's chat more about where you live. Tell us about it, it the work you do, and then we'll mm-hmm. dive into talking about your uh, gr- most recent grief journey, yeah. and then we'll yeah. go from there. Sounds good. Yeah. I, um, I do a lot of things that involve movement and healing in a nutshell. I mean, I'm a movement therapist, facilitator. I I basically host healing arts workshops and retreats. um, And they have a very like somatic base element. So there's a lot of movement therapy involved, but also a lot of other things that I integrate 
into those spaces. So between that and then being a performance artist and interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary, because I, I have a lot of things that I integrate into my personal work when I create, like I'm a writer, I'm a dancer. So I, there's different ways that I put these different um, creative aspects together and tools together. But then I also like to collaborate a lot with other artists. So sometimes I'll produce a show and I collaborate with other other artists and or sometimes I join other people's projects. So basically between my, I'm a performance artist and a somatic healer and I've learned how to just keep it simple because I could do a million things and have done and lived a million lives. But right now that's basically what's going on. And in a very young age, you have lived a million lives in this very young time of your, of your existence on this planet, at least. Uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's amazing. Like how much also our life just molds who we become and the different aspects how it translates into what it is we do and in your case in your arts and in your expression in that way of how much it's informed how you do because you you focus a lot on trauma correct and the healing yeah yeah I mean I, I feel like that is a huge theme just in my own personal creative work that I develop like there's usually something whether it's a very personal thing or kind of a larger theme that's also maybe personal um yeah that's definitely a huge theme it's you know um whether i'm and and some of these themes often overlap in between my creative you know interdisciplinary or artist performance artwork and my healing arts workshops like for example one theme that has come up in the past and i know will probably be a lifetime theme is healing from mother wounds, right? So I have poems and, you know, just in 2020, um, I created a, a dance film with a dear friend and it was around healing my birth story um, and around my mother, right? And so he, and so I wrote these poems and created this dance film around healing mother wounds, but I have workshops, right? That are around healing mother wounds for other people who want to dive deeper into that work. So I find that um, some a lot of times the themes over overlap. And it, it does make an impact, the fact that you've had your own life experiences as you're helping navigate someone else's, this aspect of empathy, of course, oh, 100%. We, right? That that yeah. comes into play. Yeah, we, you're not just like intellectualizing how you're helping someone. You're not like, this is what I learned about it. You you know, I think it is nice when you have an experience you can share. Um, it's also nice when you can know that you have an experience, but also know enough to hold for others, right? Because obviously everyone has such a unique experience but sometimes you can find a lot of overlap there and resonance so absolutely absolutely yeah it's never like I understand what you're going through no no I can I we can't really truly understand what somebody else is going through like as you said everybody's experience is unique now let's talk about your relationship with your grandma uh, Mm. because she is your most recent grief experience is her passing and had the honor of meeting your grandmother when I lived in Los Angeles of when I knew you and she's just an exceptional woman. The Tell us the dynamics because she raised you for part of your life, correct? Yeah, my grandmother played um, like a huge, huge role in raising me. She was my best friend. She was um, in many ways, like my mother as well, for the ways that my mother wasn't able to be present, whether that was physically or emotionally, 
my grandmother just really, really stepped up to the plate and loved me with her whole heart. One story that she she would tell me um, is that when I was like three or something, I think I was or I was very young, and but she she was working, my mom was working, and I was in some kind of like daycare facility, but it was like at someone's home, and um, she came and early one day. And she said that she just saw me kind of like wandering around and I just looked so sad and I was by myself. And um, as soon as I saw her, I just lit up and I just ran to her and I hugged her as I would. We both would always get so excited just seeing each other. And she checked my milk bottle and it was like sour, you know, like she was just like, oh, my, my baby is not being cared for here. And something about that experience made her be like, you know what, I'm. I need to and I want to show up for her more. So she quit. I think she had more of a full-time job and she quit her job, got more part-time work so that she could be more present for me and help raise me. And she was broke, you know? She was really broke. And but we like I didn't really know how broke we were because I was filled with so much love, like so much love. But I remember like she had this one car. It was so broke down. I mean, the passenger side door like wouldn't even shut most of the time. I had to sometimes hold it closed. And I remember I think even as a kid, I was like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know what this is. I felt was, I felt safe. I mean, I was buckled in and everything, but like all I'm saying is it was a little real. It was a little real. But also, like I I like I only remember that looking back a little bit, but I never felt deprived when I was with her. You know, I felt nothing but love. I mean, just we spent so much time together. She would take me to museums and the ballet and like put me into dance classes and and go to the park every single day especially if I wasn't in school or it was summertime or after like she just poured into me and I think when I was like six or seven I remember we were in the kitchen and she was cooking and I just looked at her and I was like grandma will you marry me Oh my. <laughs> and she just laughed, you know, and looked at me so sweetly. And I, you know, I don't remember her exact words. Of course, she was like, I love you, honey. Like, we'll always be together, you know. I don't know that we'll get married, but like, we are, you know, like spiritually and energetically. Like, it's you and me, baby. It's you and me. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. That because yeah. I've heard of that, like, with kids girls thinking they're going to marry their dads or things oh, like that right but right. i had never seen i had never heard that with the grandma yeah oh, i was sweet. like whatever this thing is where you just commit to forever i want that with you i was, was just oh, like i want that yeah that is the sweetest relationship now you mentioned she signed you up then she would take you to ballet classes and she exposed you then to a lot of the arts so Tell us about her backstory. Was she an artist herself that then she saw that that need, let's say, to start exposing you to the arts? And because to some extent, if you may, who knows where you'd be today mm -hmm. had you not started this journey of already starting dance classes and things like that at a nerd age? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she got into acting very young. Her father had gotten a job in Peru when she was in her early twenties and. Long story short, she got discovered there and someone like wanted her to be in some 
play and then she got, got into films immediately. She did her first film in Peru, eventually moved to Los Angeles after her father passed, who she was very close to and became a pretty like consistent actress. Like she got a lot of work. I honestly think she would have been, I think she definitely would have went way further had she not decided that it wasn't the path she wanted to stay on after she found the Baha'i faith and wanted to just do more um, community service work. And she ended up working with Mayor Tom Bradley for decades and doing a lot of like arts programs for inner city youth and things like that. But, but to go back, she had a love for the arts. She was an actress. Um, and I would say, I don't know if she ever claimed to be a model, but I mean, she was definitely a model there. If you Google Lisa Montel, everyone, and trust me, you want to, because this woman is stunning. Like she's just gorgeous. Um, like, yeah. So she just, she always had an appreciation for the arts and, um, for sure. I mean, she put me into dance classes when I was young. She also, and then my mother helped put me in the Baha'i Youth Workshop, you know, cause she had a connection with that, which, um, I know people may not know what, what, what that yes, is. Yes. Share, share what it was. Cause this is, it started, the dance workshop started in Los Angeles and the. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I might not do the full accurate beginning foundation, but I'll, but I'll try real quickly. But basically Oscar DeGruy and, um, and his wife at the time, Freddie, like they had started a space that was just a safe space for youth to come together so that they weren't out in the streets with nothing to do. Like, let's get together. Let's be creative. Let's have acting classes. Let's dance. Let's create. And then they would create like dances and songs and raps and that were inspired by the principles of the Baha'i faith. And so that started in the seventies. My mother was a part of that when she was younger, it was still very much around and alive when I was younger. So she was like, yeah, I want to, I want to put my daughter in that. And that was life changing for me on so many levels. Um, Cause I didn't even really know that that was my, my path at the time. Like, even though my grandmother had put me in dance classes and even being in the Baha'i workshop, I mean, I, I just love to create and I love to perform. And I also I, I got to practice some producing skills with that because as I got older and I was in the adult version of that, the One World Dance Company, where we would travel around to different countries every summer for many years, I did that. And I was often voted to be one of the coordinators. So, and like sometimes the artistic director. So I was like in this role at a very young age, like getting to practice and develop these skills with people that I love, um, with, with, you know, principles that I believe in. And um, yeah, so my, my grandmother played a huge role in that. And I just have to give a shout out to my mom because she's always like, don't forget my role in this. Like, you know, so I'm like, you right, mama, you right. My bad. Yeah. Let me, let me make and, it, and it's beautiful. The evolution, of course, that's one of the topics we were originally going to talk about when, when I first had reached out to you yeah. was this dynamic of you and your mom and the, yes. the evolution of you healing the mother right. wounds and the beautiful yeah. relationship you both have. So where you guys are now and how you both played a part also being with the three, the trio, the three amigos, the yes. three amigos, you and your mom and your grandma were all together in the, these last, in the last few days, of course, of your grandmother and months. Yeah. So if you can jump to that, uh, the circumstances of your mm. grandmother's uh, health and just her journey 
and how you all were in in that journey together. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, my grandmother, she passed when she was 89. So she was up there. But I would also say she took really good care of herself and ate really well and just always into holistic healing and heal and, and and just health and and healing is something we always connected on. Like we were always talking about. Have you heard about the such and such? And do you know if you take this, it does this for you? And like you know, and like every time I saw her, she had like some new thing. She was like, you know, do this. And even if it was like this little massage thing for your head, she's like, and do it like ninety five times, and then you'll heal this part of your body. Like she always had like all these. And I was like, okay, we're yeah, we're like twins. But um, so she was, and she could not stand medication like she just couldn't stand it like she there were certain medications she needed for her you know blood blah 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 all these things and oftentimes it was an ongoing like grandma like you can't be just deciding when you're gonna take this like you have to be consistent with this otherwise it can cause other challenges and she was just she was very stubborn and very like I'm I'm gonna do what I want to do but but you know um and I'm bringing that up I might jump around a little bit but bringing that up to say that in her final hours of the last couple of days, the way that she begged and yearned for medication, it was like, oh, you're really in a lot of pain. Like, you know, so clearly wow. there's something going on um, because she's always doing her best to not take it. Um, but basically, you know, she would have a hip surgery here and a knee, you know, knee replacement there and definitely had some things going on, but things that like seemed to get taken care of for the most part. And for the, and for the most part, she was fine. And then she always had a bit of neuropathy over the years that was developing where she couldn't quite feel sometimes like her feet or like she would get some numbness, but maybe two weeks before she passed, um, I might not be extremely accurate with this, but somewhere around there, she started to get like full numbness in her like left leg at times where she just like couldn't walk all of a sudden or couldn't feel. And then it would go away and we'd take her to the hospital and like they would you know, I don't know, do x-rays and stuff, but just never saw anything. So we didn't really know what was going on, but it got to the point where she was in a hospital, like in care um, for full week, at least, uh, where they were just trying to like, figure out what was going on and, um, and just care for her. And then Basically, a doctor had come to check her at one point and realized like her whole leg was blue and they rushed her to the hospital. And that morning, basically, they were the the doctors were like, there's two major issues that we have found with her. And there's a good chance that she's going to pass today. So it was like out of nowhere, like like she was pretty much fine. And then out of nowhere, they were like, basically, she had a blood clot near her um like like psoads area that was cutting off the circulation you know into her leg and so that was one problem was that like they were gonna maybe have to like amputate her leg or something like there was one surgery they needed, and then there was a whole nother surgery and forgive me because it's honestly just been a lot so I don't even always remember how to like articulate the scientific thing about what happened but I know that she had some kind of opening in her like uh digestive tract that like they needed to close that otherwise it was it would have been like she would have been leaking over like instead of like um being able to use the bathroom properly it's like she would have been like basically 
is I think it's called septis or something. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, sepsis? Yeah, no, sepsis. No. Yes, I think it's okay. sepsis. Yeah. Sepsis, like, is, uh, although that's what they get in the blood. Like that's an infection. Oh, when well, it starts well, because into the yeah, system. because I think it, it would have leaked, and so then it would have caught in, infection. Sepsis. So like they were like, we need to do a like these intense two extreme major surgeries she would have needed. And basically we asked her if she wanted to do it. And she was very much on that day. Like at first she was, you know, she's a little drugged up. She's like, I'm fine. Whatever. Like whatever you guys want to do. And I'm like, grandma, this is your life. We're not making this decision for you. You know, let's, let's tune in together. Like we wanted to break it down because they were basically like, it's not likely, you know, some of the feedback we got was like, these are really intense surgeries. It's not necessarily likely that she'll make it through. And even if she does, the post-care is going to be so intense that like, it's just going to, you know, the quality of life for a while could be really rough. And basically in the end, she was like, you know what? I'm good. Like I've lived a wonderful life. Like if today is the day, so be it, you know? And she was just so happy that we were together, um, that we were all together on this day that she was going to be one you know one of her last days on earth because we didn't know she was going to pass that day or the next day but it ended up being her last waking day and then she did pass like I think a day or two after that like a day and a half after but my mother definitely she's been living with my mom for so long my mom has been caring for her in general and so grateful for that and then was just really showing up um as my grandmother was sick and ill and you know just being such an advocate with her care when she was alive, which makes such a huge difference. So it, it was definitely a bittersweet day because obviously it was like kind of out of nowhere, but I know I felt extremely grateful to have had that kind of closure, like to know that she was going to pass and to be able to spend those hours with her. And um, I definitely highly recommend people watching the videos that I captured of her last day, if anyone's interested, because they're they're really, really special. And I, I, most people who see them are like, I've never seen any, anything like this. Like when people are transitioning, the kind of joy, the grace, the, the grace. grace and the joy that she had. So, um, I have those, I have those videos on my Instagram, Tatiana Zemir, and it's just a photo of me and my grandmother, if anyone wants to like check those out. But she, the way that she was so happy that day, the way that she was like, laughing with the doctors and praying with them. And one of her favorite things on this planet was the Baha'i faith. It was just the, the thing that lit up her heart and lit up her life besides me and uh, my mom. And so she was sharing prayers and she was like, do you know that, you know, the Baha'i faith says, Baha'u'llah says, death is a messenger of joy. Why dost thou grieve? We don't need to be sad about this. Like I'm about to go have the best time in my life. I'm about to get rid of this this cage over here, you know, like, and just be free. And so it was just really inspiring and beautiful and just made me so happy to like see her in such a beautiful space, knowing, you know, during her last days. And my grandma had a lot of ambition, just a lot. Like, um, I mean, I remember when she had her hip surgery like years ago and I was like, grandma, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm fine. I just want to get back home so I can get back to work. I got to finish my book and I will have the CD that I'm collaborating with, with you know, the musician. And, you know, she was, and I always just would be like, damn, if I had half of the ambition <laughs> the my grandma had, I'd probably be going real far in life, you know, but like, she was just so amazing. And, and so, and, and even up until her last days at 89, she was writing a new edition of her, of her book book I think it's called Baha'i and a new vision and she just was like I have 
I need to tell you how to finish the work that I'm doing. Like I like, and so anytime we had a moment, you know, if we didn't have to like move her to another place or another room or things like that, I was just recording with her all day and she was just giving me instructions. I'm like, okay, and then you need to call the published company. And then when they contact you, and then you need to call the NSA because I'm waiting for them to give me the, the, the edits back. So you need to let them know to send it to you. And like, so she was just like all day, like giving me instructions about how I can like carry through her, her, you know, this very wishes, yeah. big dream of hers, you know, but then she was also like going through the like, okay. And then in, in, in the closet to the left, the thing, and then, you know, and then my, the higher rings, my stuff, those are for you, Tati. So there you go, open the second drawer, you know? So she's just like giving me instruction all day on like how to like, just, it was just amazing. You know, she just was speaking and literally all day that anytime we had a moment to actually talk when we weren't like needing to change her or care for her in some way. Um, she just, she just recorded all day. And then it wasn't until, and then I think around 11 PM or something, she had like finished telling me everything, you know? And I just, you know, I just said, I love you. I love you so much, grandma. I'm just so grateful for our relationship, um, to have spent this day with you. Like you lived an amazing life. You know, we just, she said sweet things to me and the moment she was done telling me her wishes and her final words, she closed her eyes and she never opened them again. Amazing. When, when this is how many hours after the doctor said, because he said she might. Yeah. I think we hours? found out, like, I want to say we found out around like, it was somewhere in the middle of the day. Like, a, I, honestly, it's a little blurry right now. So it was not like, a full 24 hours? No, no. It was the same day. So I think <gasps> we, we came around 11 or 12. My mom was at the hospital first. She had found out. She called me crying, like, you need to get to the hospital immediately. And I already knew, like, you know. Um, so, Tati. Yeah. That yeah, is it was just a little so fast. Yeah. So fast. Like, it's like, and, and what you just shared of everything that she said, and even the videos you posted, you would think that it was in a matter of days of everything that you're sharing of these hours of how much you did and that she shared in those hours. Like, yeah, yeah. That. Wow. Yeah, you. I know. I mean, and even though it was fast, I just, I know that for some people, they don't even have those moments. They don't even right. have hours. You know, people just can pass out of nowhere and, or you're not there or they pass and you can't get there in time. And so it was fast. And at the same time, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that we had those, those hours together because they were very, very special. And I feel like, yeah. And you all radiate in the videos that you shared on Instagram is like you, all three of you just smile. You could see the love. You could see the joy amidst the sadness. And that's yeah. the thing with grief. It's like you can hold both these emotions yes. in the same space and, and it's, and it's okay. It's, they're not removed from each other. Joy and, and, and grief and joy and sadness can live amidst the same yes. space. And we sometimes 100%. forget that. 100%. I mean, yes. I mean, to be honest, um, one of the, one of the things I was processing, um, or having a hard time being with was that I didn't feel like I had enough grief or sadness when my grandmother passed, like given how close we were and given how much I love her, 
it was like something about the way she transitioned and just focusing on the light and the love of our relationship was just really carrying me. And I don't know if this is true, but it does resonate with, with me. I had a friend who said, you know, I have noticed people have a harder time with loss when there was a lot of unfinished business and a lot of pain. It's almost like the, those wounds get erupted, right? When someone, because then you're not just losing the person. It's like all this other stuff comes up. And I think because my grandmother and I were at so much peace with each other and there wasn't unfinished business or unsaid words. So I think that's a part of it. I also know that I'm just, um, as one of my intuitive healers said to me, because I did ask her about this. I was like, why am I okay? Like, why do I feel okay? And, you know, and I, and I know everyone has their own journey. Yeah. yeah. And she gave you permission, just the way she herself was so ready and yes. how she exited this world yes. and, and her acceptance of it, it give, brings you peace as well yes. too, because you were yes. with that. Okay. Yeah. What did your intuitive yeah. say? Well, I'll just say, I mean, so yeah, I mean, she said, um, she shared a story. She, she often responds sometimes with like sharing stories, which is, which is helpful. But she just said, you know, when my mom passed, um, she was like, I was a wreck. I was a hot mess. She was very young. And she was like, you know, I was crying all the time, dealing with my loss. She said, my sister, on the other hand, just seemed fine and dandy. Like it was just another day. And it was just really interesting to see how she was kind of just moving through the world as if this huge loss didn't happen. And then she said, five years later, her sister came and started sobbing to her and said, Julie, mom passed. And then she was in this deep grieving. And it was five years later. And she said, my sister is a slow burn. And so are you. And I know that about myself because I can hold in a lot. And then it can take me years later to be like, oh, I have so much pain and sadness around this thing that I've been holding on to for so long. Mm. So I imagine that actually, I think I am going to have a certain form of grief that's going to happen later for me. It's just not, I'm just not someone that always, I'm like, I'm, I'm a Capricorn. Like we got business to handle. I'm like, we got to handle the logistics. We got to like pack this stuff. We got to redo this room, you know, like whatever. And, um, and it's not that I don't, have my moments. It's not that I haven't had sadness and it's not that I haven't had moments of, but honestly, it has been, it's been sweeter than I could have ever imagined. Kendra, it's been Mm -hmm. sweeter than I could have ever imagined because as close as my, me and my grandmother was, and as much as I loved her, I mean, literally probably the only nightmare I remember as a child was losing my grandmother. Mm -hmm. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, sobbing at the thought of losing her. It always felt unbearable to think about that and so when I lost her and I was like but then it was like I could feel her so closely like literally I feel her I hear her we can talk to each other um and then my grandmother was just fly as hell and she like (laughs) left me all of this amazing clothes that I don't know how they fit me because she was so many sizes and some of the things she had when she was younger, somehow she kept all of that. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. Well, she was a hoarder. I mean, listen, let's be real. I mean, one of the reasons it took us so long to pack up all her shit because she has way too many things. That's another story. But, but I will just say, I one of my friends who's like a fashion person. So she came over. We like were trying on all these clothes, and we were just in awe of how many of my grandmother's clothes fit me. 
perfectly like perfectly and we have similar style and in and, and like so i have this whole fly ass wardrobe so, and and one of the ways that i've just been staying in contact with her is just wearing her jewelry every day wearing her piece of her clothes wearing her jacket like and then like it's, it's weird it's almost like actually after she passed in some ways i almost feel like we're even closer because instead of like seeing her when i can whether it's once a month or sometimes twice like i never saw her as much as i would have liked to these last few years but even though i made more of an effort but when i was younger we saw each other so much more but now it's like i was like oh but she's literally with me every day all day now like i'm listening to her music i'm you know, like I said, wearing her things, I'm praying for her. And so like, in in some ways, I just almost feel like we're closer than ever. Um, and it's just been, it's been really beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that as I'm like drying some of these tears. As I, I have like a, my, my, my cheeks hurt, right? From the smile. Right. And then my tears are at the same time. Right. We're like, it is, and, that, and which is so what you were just talking about, holding the yeah, joy and the grief. Like, like this is for real. Both That's, is, we're yeah. really holding that duality together. Yeah. Now let, let's, let's share regarding then you mentioned your grandmother quoting, I had made death of messenger a messenger of joy for the why does thou grieve and those words and your belief system how have they played a part in your grief journey and how have they held your you know your space in that in that process as well you mentioned prayers yeah some of these rules yeah yeah I mean I think because my grandmother was a Baha'i and had these very unique belief systems around death um and not just not just i don't know because you can practice something and you can say you believe in something i think it's another thing to embody something i think my grandmother not only believed in these words and in these messages but she really just embodied it she felt it deep in her bones and really believed that there was a more joyful and liberating space to occupy that was so much better and sweeter and more heavenly than this earth and I think that one, seeing the joy that she had in her transition gave me peace and joy, but also believing in the same faith and also um, having this guidance. It has been a beautiful framework to not be like, it's not to say, of course, I mean, I'm honor and it's so important to honor the full spectrum of emotions. I'm not saying I'm going to like stuff my sadness or something. That's not the point, but that I don't have to look at this as like, I don't have questions. I'm not like, what happened? Or like, where did she go? And is she okay? Or like, you know, I'm, I'm, I just think that that framework has been like the bones and the structure to hold so much of the joy that is still living, you know, within my spirit and my body um, as I'm processing her, her loss. Sorry, I'm hearing Bliss. I'm hearing Bliss shake herself. Oh, she was uh, shaking in the background. <laughs> yeah, should I say that again? Yes, we got dogs in the background, got, everyone. Yeah, Real life up over here. <laughs> I've been having to mute. Yeah, over mine over here on my end. And, and <laughs> the the part of the word you used, a framework. I love that because it's so true. It's a framework when our belief systems 
create a framework for us to build upon. Now, it doesn't mean that because sometimes we believe in certain things of whatever everybody believes right. of whatever mm -hmm. happens after we die, that then that means automatically that we're going to be okay then when somebody dies and that we're just going to be, well, but if I believe this, like, why am I not then acting in this joyful right. way if it's right. right or whatever, if that's what you, you know, believe. No, it's a framework and we're still human and we kind of yes. build up on that. And then it just helps us and, and can aid us, whatever the, the beliefs are that each of us may carry can aid us in that process. And so that's what it's done for you. Now, help us then understand other tools that you've used. You've mentioned your wearing her jewelry, wearing her clothing, being able to talk to her and now carry her with you, even on yes. your trips to Bali as you're yes. doing your retreats. Right, she, right. You can carry her with you all yes. the time now. Yes. So what other tools and in your and how has it influenced also your dancing now as well? Mm. Um, I mean, prayer and meditation is just always a huge tool for me. So I think feeling like one of the ways I've been feeling connection with her is by praying for her, you know, and literally like, um, in that meditative state. And sometimes I don't have to be meditation. I can easily talk to her. Like we just have a very, I can literally feel her spirit and I see her like, um, and, but I, I will say, I think because of what I mentioned earlier that like I haven't had so much heavy grieving around my grandmother yet. It may happen one at one point, but in, I will just say in my experience with other forms of loss that I've been navigating that, um, dancing, not just the act of dancing has always also been a healing tool for me. And that liberates me whether I'm taking a dance class or teaching, but also this like, beautiful project I've been a part of called Bodies Across Roads with who one of my dear best friends is the head spirit this project, uh, Marina Magallones. And she has really taken me deeper into an artistic practice, a creative practice called Vesseling. It's something I've been doing and it's why she invited me into the project because she saw something I did and she was like, oh, you're already doing this thing that I'm interested in going deeper in. And I had no idea how like that it was like a space that needed to be filled in my life so we've been in creative process the last couple of years and it's really this there's a lot i could say about it but the short definition is i just see it as like a way of really being a channel of really letting spirit move through you through and then letting your body respond to how spirit is moving through you versus like it is a form of improvisation, but improvisation feels very different to me. Improvisation feels like I'm kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? What does my body want to do? Maybe it wants to go this way. It wants to go that way. But vesseling is like, no, I'm going into this deep spiritual sacred place where I get to really almost go into another realm, into a portal. And so that is one way that I've been healing different forms of loss and grief that I've been experiencing is really um, doing that combined with a movement therapy method that I created, which I'm currently calling release for new technique. I don't know if I'm going to rename that one day, but, um, but it's really a way of how do I heal and transmute this pain or this anger and this sadness that's in my spirit body and, um, and, and liberate myself. So, so between the, the vesseling technique and then my own movement therapy technique, that's been a huge tool that, um, has been helping me shift in process because, you know, as, as I'm glad that 
somatic healing has become more of a well-known like thing and tool that's been rising over the last few years. Um, but it's something I've been doing forever and just, it's been super helpful. And, and with somatic healing, history wise, is that, it was that very much common in a lot of native cultures in the process of grief wasn't movement and somatic healing part of I mean, as far as I know, yes. Yeah. I think uh-huh. I think movement in general and, and and dance, yes, it's been a part of like so many, mm-hmm. so many cultures, right? Um and then I just think like these things I'm mentioning are just kind of very more nuanced ways of, of, of that. moving and mm-hmm. being in the body, you know. Um but yeah, for sure. Yeah, like we're just la- la- yeah, kind of discovering different ways or labeling them a little bit different yes. than maybe what it was before. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think a lot of it, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, let's go back to the roots. What were our ancestors doing? How were they doing stuff? And so there's definitely that element. And then I, I kind of, how I'm seeing some of my movement practices um, specifically around like this vesseling and movement therapy technique is, is, um, is somewhere where that's it's part of what the body of the crossroads um, ideology is. It's like, it's, it's ancestral. It's like bringing ancestral memory. It's like tapping into that, but it's also tapping into the present and, and what is new and what is contemporary. What's like, what is the new medicine through movement and through processing. So it's like bringing those two together. Yeah. One of the other major themes is like holding joy and grief together. So that's really beautiful that we've talked about that because um, some of the work we're doing right now is, is really all about that. Um, so that's been really just healing for me to be in a process where I'm literally processing around joy and grief in my body in a creative way. That's been that's been extremely helpful. And obviously just the basic things like friendship, community, you know, like um, I definitely had my community show up for me in a way I don't know that I've ever had show up for me. And that's saying a lot because I'm very blessed to have a pretty gangster ass community. Like a lot of people who are really amazing in my life, but the way that folks were like, not just the basic things of like sending flowers and the, you know, sending whatever, but yeah, just really, I just, I felt really held in prayer. What was interesting though, is I actually couldn't receive a lot during that time because I was so overwhelmed with all the logistics did you leave too during that time? Weren't you I, gone after? Oh my god! I it worked out. I literally I was on an artist residency. We had a show in Claremont, which is only like I don't know forty five minutes outside of LA or something. But nonetheless, it was like a whole container I was in. And literally, like I think the next week I came home, my grandmother passed. So I, you know, oh. I, I was here for for yeah for that um, uh-huh. for, for for like when she was getting sick, and then. I think it was two weeks later she had actually passed, but that week before mm-hmm. she was in the hospital and whatnot. Um, so no, I was luckily, oh my God, so grateful that I was here and in town. So you weren't able, you said you weren't able, sorry, I interrupted. So you weren't no, able sorry. to receive things at the beginning because you were oh, so busy. Oh yeah, just so busy, like handling the logistics of like what you have to do when someone passes, right? And it's just, yeah, it's, just, it's a whole stuff. thing. It's just a oh, whole, yeah. takes up a lot of time and energy. And I think because, um, as we've talked as friends, you know, I'm, I'm an ambivert. So it's like, I also need a lot of time alone when I'm, I love being social and I love connecting with people, but I need a lot of time alone. So especially if I'm overwhelmed and I'm caring a lot, then I, I, I need connection and I need to be with my people, but I just usually need sometimes more alone time than anything. And I really needed that at that time. So, but I could still feel the love 
around me of my people being like, I'm here for you. I, I got you. Let me know what you need. And yeah, it was just really so what are some of the ways in which people showed up or ways in which they helped you in your grief journey that that you felt were either unique or that you're like that you were that you remember like not only of course maybe food or yeah, right. in this or a phone call or a text yeah. uh, but were there other way uh, were there ways in which people showed up that either surprised you or or that were just very meaningful of, uh, for you yeah i think <clears throat> i think two things come to mind one um, speaking of vesseling, even though it's like this movement practice, but I'm, I really actually see it as a lifetime practice. Like it's, I'm trying to go deeper into my listening in all things in all areas of my life and really making choices from a place that feels like it's, um, it's, it's honoring my knowing it's honoring my yes. It's honoring my no. Right. So sometimes I make choices that don't always intellectually makes sense, but I trust spirit more than I trust the intellect. I'm not saying I don't trust the intellect, but that's just where I'm at. So even on the, the morning of my grandmother's burial, my mom and I, well, I, you know, we just decided to keep it extremely intimate. I was like, I really don't want people there. I just want it to be us. And I, what I did see was like a handful of my friends who were Baha'is somehow, they didn't have to be Baha'is. Um, but I wanted a lot of Baha'i prayers to be sung. So so I meditated and I was like, who are the people that are supposed to be there? And I invited five women and three of those women aren't women that I like even hang out with one-on-one, -on -one, like ever, like we see each other. Like they weren't my closest friends, but I listened to my spirit and I was like, oh, they're supposed to be there. And my mom had a couple of friends there. And when I tell you, we sang the most heavenly prayers that morning, the most heavenly prayers. Like the two of my mom's friends that were there were like, are you guys in a chorus together? Like y'all sounding like some literally angels over here. And even we, I think we're a little like, whoa, we do like, I don't know. It just felt like such a spiritual experience. And that was a form of support. Like even just support from the creator, you know, I'm glad that I opened up to listen. Thank you, creator, for showing me who needed, who needed to be there. Thank you, Tati, for listening to the creator so that you could pick the right people that were supposed to be there. Yeah. You know, um, but like that support and them just being like, I'm there. I got you. And that was beautiful. And then um, my mom and I realized we needed a couple of months before we had our grandmother's celebration of life because there was just so much we had to manage um, in our personal lives and around my grandmother. So we decided to have her celebration of life around her, her 90th birthday, which we, we, we were planning on having a big celebration anyways. So we just turned that into that. But it was also kind of during the summertime where everyone's like out of town and busy and doing things. So most of my really close friends couldn't be there. And I had a little bit of sadness around that or a little bit of like, oh, you know, it's just, that's too bad. But one, I did have a couple of good friends that were able to come and one in particular just really like came through, like did the flowers, like got so many of the things, like was such a energetic support, said the most beautiful words. Like, um, and also I felt my grandmother orchestrating some things, you know, like it was really interesting because 
my grandmother, we have so much in common. And one of the things we have in common, well, I think my grandmother was even more particular with people than I, than I can be, but like, there was just a couple of folks, a few people in her life that she was like, I love you. I see you. I want to build with you. And if you're not them, I'm so happy being by myself and like living my life. But anyway, what most of her friends have passed, but their grandchildren I'm friends with. And they spoke at the memorial. And then we even got a recording of one of her friends, a couple of her friends. And, um, and I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to articulate like what happened because it was so magical, but it was like, people were like, I've never seen this before. This was, this was bigger than just your grandmother. It was almost like this, this, this honoring of grandchildren and grandmothers Mm. because all of these grandchildren, we were all talking about our grandmothers and their journeys together. And these amazing powerhouses who were beautiful and spiritual and ad um, advocates and like did amazing work. And we were, so we were all sharing how they've impacted our lives. Like it kind of became bigger than my grandmother, but about like these three women matriarchs Mm. who are just so powerful. And and I felt so supported by, if my grandmother's like friends weren't alive or couldn't fully be there, it felt like the spirit of them were so there. And I don't know, just magical things like that, you know, beautiful things like that um, just made it really, really special. Now, your grandmother has supported you in other aspects of your own grief journeys, of other grief journeys through mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. So how has her transitioning impacted your ways of having that support, you know, that, you know, grounding that she was for you? And I know that you mentioned she continues to be with you, but right. has it made an impact in like, oh, I usually would call grandma to me, you know, to check in right. and see how has that played a part in your own life now you know um I think just because of where I'm at in my life and because I do have a lot of support and a lot of tools as much as I got so much from talking with my grandmother I think I I had come to a place even when she'd passed that she wasn't necessarily one of the people that I was like, how am I going to do this without her? Mm. I do think how would I have done life without her? And I know I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am today without her, but I really at the moment don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. If anything, I feel so much more supported. I feel like she's in this heavenly realm where she has access to so much more superpowers And I know she's doing her work on me. I know that when I'm struggling or I'm having a day and I can just feel her and I'm like, grandma, you got this right. And I can just hear her like smiling, like, you know, I got you, you know, like, like, you know, I'm working on this, you know, I'm, you know, I'm like, so I, yeah, I mean, I just, that's just where I'm at with that. I just feel her so close and I just feel her support even in a bigger way. I think more than even when she was here. Uh, it's so true. I I can relate to what you're saying with that so much because yeah, even though there are times in which I sometimes wonder, oh man, I wish I could call my mom at the same or things like that. At the same time, it's that knowing that she is she does she's there, she's got my back, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. you know it that uh 
that uh, helps me as well. Okay, now Tati, what other grief parts of your journey would you like to tap into shortly and which we will leave it as maybe part B of right (laughs) part two part three the intro into what's coming (laughs) yeah I don't even know honestly I don't I mean doing I don't even know because I'm like you know ain't nothing short about any of the other stories (laughs) so if you have a specific question let me know no 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 yeah no you're right okay let me let me ask you this okay with your let's go into the part of your healing of your mother wound because you mentioned that anyway at the beginning so as your grandmother now since it was the trio now it's you and your mom how was your dynamic of the two of you shifted now that grandma is not here physically yeah you know i'm i'm still kind of like processing that to find words to articulate it but i it is interesting there is there was such a trio energy there like i feel like even when i would go visit my grandmother or it's like they live together so any i it was always like even if you know i don't know we were just we were together a lot or in the same space. And because my mother and I, uh, I mean, I don't have time to get into that whole story, but I will just say we had a very, very rough, tumultuous uh, relationship and is done. we've done so much healing and we're so, so much better. Nonetheless, we've still had our things. And so my grandmother definitely served at this, as this kind of like medium sometimes of like, you know, and holding this space for both of us. And so I, again, I mean, I, I think she can still, I think she still does that. And I think actually she can do that even better now. Um, even, even that she can do better now. I think even on this earthly plane, she was just didn't understand a lot of it. Like she was always a little confused by it. And I'd have to like re-explain myself and be like, I'm gonna remember this, remember that. And she'd be like, oh, right. You're right. Okay. Right, right, right. You know, I see where you're coming from or I can under, you know, so, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know how to articulate it yet. It's just, she's just not physically there and it's just me and my mom. And so I feel like I actually kind of, in some ways feel like it's allowing my mom and I to go deeper further. I think even my mom, like there, when we did have a couple of moments, even in the very beginning after my grandmother passed dealing with some stressful things that brought up some hard feelings for us, she was like, listen, like, I don't want to I don't want to have these moments with you. Like, it's just us now. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. us. Like, we're all we have. Like, let's, I don't want to simmer in that. I don't want to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so I think that there's a way that my grandmother's passing has even propelled us to go even deeper and quicker into our healing. I I don't, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, I don't know how much of it, but as I'm tapping into energy, I actually do think that that has a lot to do with it because- my mother and I have actually had a, a couple of really painful, hard moments in the last couple of months. And um, I think between the deeper work we've done before my grandmother passed, but then something about my grandmother passing propelling us to go deeper. And and what I mean by that is like even the, our trauma responses, right? Like we had worked with this coach a couple of years ago when we were, my mom and I were really going through it. And I think we both learn these different ways that we respond right in some ways my mother is very much like 
all all over me. If we go through something, she wants to talk about it immediately. She wants to like, you know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need all the space. I need you to be miles away. I will let you know when I come to you. It may be a few <laughs> months, a year from now, the way I'm feeling, you know? And then, but then if you come for me, I'm gonna go further away. And so like, mm. and, but then I also like have a, you know, an avoidance tendency. So then I would, what I learned about myself is like, oh, okay, yes, you do need your space. You do need someone to honor that space or it's helpful when they can. Ultimately, you have to honor that for yourself. But um, but one of the things I've been working on is not waiting so long, being like, you can get to this sooner. You don't have, like, like mm. you don't have to protect this forever. You know, you don't have to be so afraid because while trauma is showing up, that's part of how you get triggered, right? But it's, I have to remember, like, that, that was from the past. My mom is better. And while... So can I come to her sooner? Right. Mm. So we're diffusing things quicker is what I'm trying to say is like, she's given me more space and I'm coming to her sooner to be like, I'm ready to talk, you know? Um, and I feel like there was just some spiritual support around that for my grandmother's from this, from the spiritual realm, but also just from her being gone, there's something about like, we can't use her as a crutch anymore. That, um, that's exactly yeah. the word I yes. have been like, yes. that's or exactly like this, what like I was we, like we don't, thinking. We don't get to just tell her what we're feeling. We actually yes. just need to talk to yes. each other, you know? And we did, but it's just different. We're doing it in a more mature way. And so... Well, yeah, yeah, that's the word that it kept, I was like, let me see if that comes up because that's yeah, the word I had. Yeah. I'm like, uh -huh. I'm wondering if that how that dynamic changed when, yes, you were a trio, but if she was that middleman, <laughs> you know, like then yeah. how yeah. do you then now? So, yeah, you don't. You and I don't think I realized how much she was until now, actually, mm. like literally even this moment. So even a couple of people had like brought that up. Like, how is it with your grandma gone? I don't know. I was like. I don't know, you know, but now I don't, actually just in this conversation, this moment, I realized actually how much we were kind of using her as like this. That crutch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the the middle point. Yeah, because you had somebody to there to diffuse a little bit to what you guys mm -hmm. were feeling or even a reason to have to maybe see each other sooner than maybe you wanted because yes, you'd right. have to go see your grandma, let's say, but right. maybe you didn't want to see mom, but right. then you did go, but then, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. all these dynamics. So exactly. this is this is great that you guys are, you know, cons consistently working on your dynamics. Now, share with the audience, like, what would be some of these takeaways for you then in dynamics, in, in, in your life's journey, as well as your grief journey, what would be some words of encouragement, uh, either from the work you do or from the experiences you've lived for others that may be going through either traumatic events or going through grief? What are some shares you'd like to express? I think, I mean, I know this isn't like a new thing to say, but sometimes it, we can't hear the same thing enough, you know, when we're actually trying to put something into practice. But what the first thing that came to me is to just have grace for, with yourself. That It is so important to call on grace, like the, the energy of grace, the spirit of grace, to let, to really like call that in and be with it. Um, let it be with you, let it carry you, breathe it in, meditate on it, 
ask for it, you know? Like, so like beyond just the word of being like hearing it, like how can you really try to actively infuse it into your life, into your grief process? Because no matter what it is, like even for me, I was like, I was having feelings that I wasn't having feelings, right? You know, and I had to give myself grace for not feeling, for being feeling guilty that I wasn't feeling as sad as I thought I would so quickly, right? And and sometimes from what I hear, and I've had a little bit of this experience with other things, but like, yeah, it can really just take you out. And you're like, whoa, I like can't do anything right now because I have to be with these feelings. And then that can just bring up so many other feelings. So I just, I just think grace is so, is so needed. It's so necessary. It's so necessary. Grace and probably my two other answers, which will probably be my answer to almost any question. So anyone who follows my journey and as I may start doing more podcasts and stuff, you might get tired of me hearing this shit, but I'm going to say it like trusting yourself and then the, the listening. I just think those two ingredients are everything. They're everything. Trusting yourself, trusting your journey, you know, um, trusting that everything's going to be okay. That when your worries come up because of whatever's happening in your life, but specifically whatever's coming up around your loss and what you may be like worried about, whatever that is, you know, like my mom being like, Oh God, now my grandmother's gone. And now I don't have this money coming in and how am I going to pay for my rent? And it's like, it's all going to work out. It's always going to work out, but it's going to work out smoother and in a more profound way, the more that you trust your journey Mm -hmm. and trust that you know what you need to do. And granted, I know that that's, not an easy task, I think, especially for the feminine. And it's why I have a whole whole workshops on trusting and, and intuition and how do we access that and do that. But I think even when you, if you've never taken that course or never take anything like that, to just hold, holding the intention that I trust myself. I trust myself. I trust my journey. I trust that the universe supports me. I trust that I'm going to get exactly what I need. You know, I think, um, I think trusting and then I know I mentioned the listening, um, which I'm not going to go too much in at the second, but what another thing that's coming in for me right now, what got me through um, my grief around, which I know we haven't talked about this time and maybe another time, but my husband, my ex-husband and I were together for 12 years and separated two and a half years ago and leaving that marriage was the hardest thing I have ever done in my adulthood. And the, the the pain that came up for me that was so much bigger than had nothing to do with me and him, because that's usually how life works. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're tapped in, you can realize half the time what you're feeling ain't even about the person, right? Or like the quote unquote present time situation. But the amount of fear and pain and deep I went into a depression and um I really didn't know how I was going to move forward out of that marriage, even though once I had clarity that I had to do that. And one of the things that got me through was embodying gratitude. Mm. And so while, again, gratitude is this very like, yes, we hear about it a lot, but I think for me, that's why the somatic piece is so important. It's the embodiment piece though. It's like, but, but how are you integrating that part? Because you can say I'm grateful all day long, and I'm, and yes, you need to find a way to like make it as authentic for you as you can. But like, for example, when I was like 
where am I going to go? How am I going to, where am I going to live? Like, instead of, instead of staying in the depths of my fear of whatever they were, and there were many, then I would, I, I came up with this, um, I created this, this technique called affirmation transformation, where it's kind of like, okay, what is coming up? What is coming up for me? And how do I transmute that? First through an affirmation and then through the body. So for example, when I'm like, where am I going to live? How am I going to support myself this year? And then I will say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, universe. Thank you, most great spirit for providing the most perfect transitional home for me to ground and build and heal. Thank you. Thank you. And I would be so grateful for it before it came because I knew that I had to raise my vibration into that gratitude to help support calling that in and experiencing that. And that was my daily, multiple times a day. I had to do that to get through some of the biggest loss and some of the deepest, saddest feelings that I had felt in my adulthood was embodying gratitude and calling in um, and and praying for. And even if you're not someone that believes in quote unquote prayer, but I mean, it's like they say worrying is praying for what you don't want. Energy is energy. So whether you, do, you don't have to call it prayer, you call it whatever you just want to call it emotions or energy, whatever works for you, but we are growing, you know, more of whatever we're feeling. Those are our seeds that we're planting. So whatever you're feeling, you're going to create more of that. That's just how the brain works. That's how wiring works. That's how the world works. That's just how the law of attraction works. You know, so... Um, you're so, digging like a trench, like a trench, a deeper trench in that yes. direction. And that's, yeah, that's... It's like, it, there's, no, there's nothing woo-woo about most of the spiritual practices. It's all scientific, right? Yeah, too. right. Luckily, most of it, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're like, listen, for all of you scientific folks who think all this shit is woo-woo, go, just no. go look at the research. We got that yeah. too. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. No, that is just amazing. And now take us into now what the work you do and how people are able then to work alongside you in yeah. your journeys and what you offer, because just even what you just mentioned, I had never heard it word, heard it, heard it, word, word. Yeah, it. I know. Oh, <laughs> I got a little really tongue twister. Wait, that, wait, I've never that, heard it worded that way. Yeah. You wait, said that it. Sounded, I said it right, but it you sounded said it right. weird, yeah, right? Yeah, the, like, wait, that does happened. not sound grammatically correct, but yeah, you, you right. so it, I had never heard it worded that way in terms of embodying gratitude. I, you know, of course, this podcast is called Grief, Gratitude, and the Great Between. Gratitude is yeah. in it. But the embodiment of it is more than just the words. It really just means the feeling of it, even if before it even occurs, just kind of living in that space of it, of that gratitude. So... Um, yes. So thank you for that. And I'm sure mm -hmm. in your workshops and things like that, more mm -hmm. of these amazing nuggets, as we call them, come up and people can take so many more. So share how people are able to work with you in yeah. any of the format formats that you have. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of... Um, 
consistency right now. Like I'm not like, I have this class every Monday at this time or every whatever. Um, I'm very much because I'm in this listening practice and I am in this transition of kind of remolding and recreating in some ways. Um, you know, I, I'm holding the intention to at least do one healing arts retreat a year. Um, I'm holding the intention. I mean, I'm definitely in process of creating projects and, you know, performances and shows. And I think that those are just as powerful as healing experiences, at least in my experience. I mean, I've had honestly, probably more people send me even letters and stuff from when I did my produce my first show to be like, that changed my life. Right. And like, I, that healed me healing, hearing your story healed me. So I think through, through the performances and, and the workshops and retreats are like the main ways I'm working with people right now. I sometimes do one-on-ones. I don't really promote that as much. I usually just like people reach out and I'm like, if I can work with them one-on-one, if the timing works out, mm-hmm. I do. Um, but the best way to stay in touch is one, I think Instagram, I'm not on there a whole lot, but like it's, it's it can be like a, a way to just stay connected. But the best way is definitely going to be my newsletter just because when I actually have an offering, um, you'll see it. I try to share on Instagram, but you know, social media is so weird. It's like with the algorithms and all that, you may not see, you don't see everything. So if you want to make sure that you know what's happening and you know what offerings are happening, um, yeah, just through my name. I mean, my my Instagram handle and and my website is my name, Tatiana Zamir, T-A-T-I-A-N-A-Z-A-M-I-R. So yeah. um, We got to hear a little bit of the singing. Oh my God. No, that's just me being silly. I just like to sing my sentences sometimes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I would say, I would say those are some good ways to just stay in touch so that you kind of know what's going on and you can see if something resonates or works out for, for you to join. Thank you. Tati, is there anything I did not ask you that you want to make sure you still share? Yeah. I mean, I feel like sometimes later on, like when you, when, when I know anyone who gives talks or like, it's like sometimes you're later, you're like, Oh, I forgot to blah, blah, blah. But nothing's coming to me right now. And I'm, and so no, I love this conversation. I'm so, so glad we had it. And it was just as sweet for me, you know, got some gems for me to just have space held. Um, so thank you for asking those questions and allowing me to, process and and be with be with all of this and oh I'm so grateful of you being my first guest after this three-month hiatus or two-month hiatus of recording Uh, I'm just so grateful to have you on the podcast for you sharing this story I was so moved by your journey I've been you know in awe of you since I've known you as a young you were a young teenage girl when I met you <laughs> and the, the woman that you are and how much I learned from your own journey. And again, even though we don't see each other, we, we know of yes. each other's energy and all other. that of yeah, each other. And nice that energy. to reconnect for sure. Yeah, like, so and I felt the cool. same way. I mean, you've just always been such a light and you're stunning. I mean, like inside and out, just yeah. like, you know, you're just so, so beautiful. No, I remember every, all the, Dudes being like, but did you see that? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me stop recording now, then, before you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, getting a little okay. Off, off script. Okay, all that mean, you know. But no, just all I'm saying is you are a beautiful light, and I'm just I'm so happy that we've stayed in touch all these years, and to have this conversation today was really so special for me. So. It was. It was. Thank you again, and for sharing and sharing your your beautiful energy, all the beautiful energy that you bring of your grandmother as well, and of your mom these three generations of women in you. So thank you, dear. And thank you to Bliss as well for sitting, waiting for Mama to finish recording. Yeah, she did pretty good. <laughs> she did I mean, good. You guys might hear her like snoring in the background or something like that, but at least she... Yeah. You said mine and mine stayed quiet for yeah. the, mine as well yeah, right now. So I'm good. grateful they did good. <laughs> I love you, Tati. Thank you so much. And I to everybody, you. make sure to check the bio in the show notes and you'll see Tatiana's website there. And I received the, received the newsletter and I, I was able to participate on the uh, virtual dancing that you did during the during the pandemic that you offered yes. class virtually. Yeah, so I was totally. able to participate a couple times there. But for those that live in the LA area, uh, you can, you know, see yeah. some of her shows there. Yeah. And, and some, I might you be tour, doing some you tour some things. Sometimes. Yeah. And I also yeah, tour things. You time. Yeah. Sometimes I have shows in other states yeah. or obviously yeah, didn't, you did in other San, countries. Was it San Antonio or Houston? Yeah, Where was it? We had a little tour in Houston. Houston, and, um, right. Here in Texas. Yeah. We're going to probably have some stuff in the bay area soon and Great. um yeah so you never know yes yeah, never know look forward Great. to connecting with folks and thanks for listening thank Bye. you thank you again so much for choosing to listen today i hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief if so it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode and if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this please do so also if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well please reach out to me And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.